0: Um, so we're going to start off on Acts chapter 1. I started on Acts chapter 2. Um, but before I get into that, I did want to make this very clear statement that Solomon's Porch as a church, uh, since, since even before I became a member of Solomon's Porch, 15, 17 years ago from Pastor Samuel Song, our senior pastor and founding pastor in, in uh, Solomon's Porch in Hong Kong, That SP has always been in support of women leaders, and women pastors, and women preachers, and women teachers. Uh, It's something that I grew up in my tradition that, you know, wasn't in support. And so it's something that was a process and journey for me. Uh, And so I've read a lot of uh, articles and scriptures and studies. Uh, One of the biggest difficulties in the scriptures comes from 1 Timothy chapter 2. And in that chapter, it says women are to remain silent. Women can't have authority uh, cannot lead uh, men, and so just a few quick points here before we get into Acts chapter one. Um, I think uh, context is key. You can't take an isolated passage. In general, overall, uh, a key phrase here for all of us to to adopt is this idea of the whole council of scriptures. Right, whenever you come to, whether it's uh, uh, regarding women in leadership, whether it's talking about, uh, uh, you know, whatever debates or concerns you have, a key phrase or a key understanding is this idea of the whole counsel of scriptures. You have to look at the whole breath, the whole work of God, the whole activity of God to give light or shed light. So there are a handful of passages that are difficult. There are a handful of passages uh, that we struggle with. Um, And so this idea of the whole counsel of scriptures. Scriptures. If you look at the Old Testament, you, you'll find very clearly that God appoints women leaders, judges, generals, commanding generals of the whole Israel army would come to a female judge for guidance and instruction. God would speak to this woman judge. This woman judge would then give uh, uh, details or instructions to to the general. So there's a clear incident uh, incident there. Um, New Testament, or sorry, uh, 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 a, a theologian and Bible scholar, N.T. Wright, he gives uh, these two specific accounts in the New Testament, John chapter 20 and Romans chapter 16. And he calls them you know, big stories that are used to shed light on difficult passages, such as 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2. And he gives two accounts of women. First is Mary Magdalene. The first person that witnesses the resurrection of Christ, chosen by Jesus, nothing happens by accident, is a woman. The first person to proclaim this resurrection, to proclaim the resurrected Christ. In fact, you could say the first evangelist, proclaimer of the resurrected Christ, is a woman. Jesus entrusted to a woman the most important message. N.T. Wright says... Uh, the fact that Jesus resurrected was revolutionary. But the fact that he chose a woman to be the first to proclaim this message was also clearly an indication in a message. And so he uses that as one reference to shed light. Um, there's also uh, Romans chapter 16. And uh, this this I thought was very interesting. And this you know, I figured you'd have to do a lot of research, a lot of cultural background. You'd have to know the context of history and Jewish history and culture. Um, But Paul gives a written letter to Phoebe. Romans is considered by many theologians as the most important letter in in the whole of the New Testament. Paul writes this letter, gives it to Phoebe, his partner in ministry. Phoebe then takes it to the community. And the tradition and the practice, culturally and historically, is that the person who brings the letter, who's entrusted with the letter is the person who will actually read the letter, right? So this is what he finds in his studies. In addition to that, if Paul writes the letter and Phoebe's gonna be the one presenting it, Phoebe would probably be asking questions, well, what do you mean here and what do you mean there? And so that when members of the community or congregation would ask questions, Phoebe, because she was with Paul and, and verbally in relationship and uh, under his instruction, would be the one when people ask questions about, well, what does this mean in this chapter? or What does this mean in this verse? Phoebe would be the one to be able to unpack and essentially teach. And so N.T. Wright uses these two, uh, uh, you know, references. And then I mentioned uh, Judges in the Old Testament. So if you look at the whole council of scriptures, you know, it helps us to deal with, uh, uh, you know, I I don't want to use the word inconsistency. But the questions you have to ask when reading a passage like 1 Timothy chapter 2 is, Who is Paul talking to? What is the context? Who is the audience? And if you do a little bit of research and digging, there's a particular group of women, uh, women of affluence, uh, women of position, who are coming in and usurping or using their authority or their past uh, kind of influence to then influence the church in a way that is you know, uh, questions of theology or questions of uh, uh, you know, biblical truth or narrative. And so Paul is talking to, we believe, a specific group of people. He'll also, he'll also address a specific group of men, and he'll instruct them don't do this and don't do that. But he doesn't say that across the board, all through the New Testament, all through his letters. And so you, 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 know, you kind of have to be able to read and catch that in context. So I, I hope that's helpful. It's not, it's not the end all. The point I was making yesterday was that there are camps that live and die on First Timothy and would just say you're, 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 you're in, in sin and you know, heresy or whatever. And the point I was making yesterday was you know, we're seeing them coming to a place where, hey, it's okay to disagree, but we can still work and serve together. And my point in that was, wow, I hadn't seen that in a long time. And so the whole you know, context of yesterday's message was about unity and things like that. I hope that's helpful. You know, I don't, I don't um, expect you know, this is something that you struggle with over, over one message, but there's scriptures, and as your pastor you can look into it. As far as Solomon's Port is concerned, we're, we're way beyond that. We're, we, we, we left that ship 15 years ago. So uh, this, this is your church. Amen? Okay, okay I think there's like five guys here anyway, so. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so back to Acts chapter 1 now. Turn with me to Acts chapter 1, and we're going to get back to this. Um, is this thing already recording? Someone push recording? Okay. Okay, so key phrase here, whole council of scriptures, uh, uh, giving an account. Praise God for the Bible, praise God for the scriptures, Uh, praise God for all its depth and God's wisdom. Okay, starting from verse 1. The first account I composed, Theopolis, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven after he had given orders by the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of things regarding the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. Which he said, You heard of from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now, so when they had come together, they began asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time that you are going to restore the kingdom of Israel? But he said to them, It is not for, is it not for you to know the periods or the times or appointed times which the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and as far as the remotest parts of the earth. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up. While they were watching, and a cloud took him up out of, this, out of their sight, and as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, then behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them, and, sa- and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mountain called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they had entered the city, They went up to the upstairs upstairs room where they were staying. That is, Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. All these were continually devoting themselves with one mind to prayer, along with the women and Mary and the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. At this time, Peter stood up among the brothers and sisters. A group of about 120 people was there together, and said, "Brothers, the scriptures has to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David concerning Judas." who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he has counted among us and received his share in this this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the price of his wickedness and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle of all and all his intestines gushed out and it became known to all the residents of Jerusalem. As a result, that field was called Hekeldama in their own language that is field of blood for it is written in the book of Psalms. May his his residence be made desolate and may there be none living in it. And may another take his office. Therefore it is necessary that of the men who have accompanied us all that time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning with the baptism of John till the day he was taken up from us, one of these must be a witness with us his, uh, w- with us of his resurrection. So they put forward two men, Joseph called uh, Barsabas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, you know the hearts of all the people. Show which one of these two you have chosen. Occupy this, to occupy this ministry and apostleship which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they drew lots for them. And the lot fell to Matthias. And he was added to the eleven apostles. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Alright, so if you look at verse uh, 6. And the disciples had come together. And, uh, you know, Jesus had, uh, was crucified. Jesus resurrected which is an incredible revelation. You know, you're, you're just in awe. You're awestruck. You're amazed. And um, they asked the Lord, is it at this time that you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? Is it at this time that you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? And this is a, uh, uh, you know, you got to ask yourself, why are they at this time with all that God has planned? Uh, asking this question. This, this is a uh, uh, pervasive question. This is a question that they've been asking as children. This is a question that they had been asking even when Jesus was physically present with them. Um, their hopes, their understanding of Messiah, their understanding of what a Savior means to them, is synonymous with the restoration of their kingdom of, of Israel as a nation, uh, uh, you know, as uh, 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 you know, the golden days of King David. And so, they they constantly are asking the Lord. It, it kind of makes sense when you look at it in that sight. If if all you know, as Jewish uh, 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 as a, a Jewish man, uh, as their understanding of the Messiah coming to restore the kingdom of God. Their understanding of the kingdom of God was a physical kingdom of God. We understand in hindsight through the scriptures, through that privilege in the Holy Spirit, kingdom of God is far greater than one nation or one uh, you know, national borders. But for them, this was just, you know, that's how they grew up. And so then you understand when... Uh, uh, one of the disciples' moms goes to Jesus privately and says, "Hey, would you let one of my sons sit on your left and one of my sons sit on your right? Would you let one of my sons be the secretary of defense and one of your one of my sons be the secretary of finance?" They're they're all jostling and positioning. If you remember that, they start arguing. The disciples are you know get upset that someone would go and 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 uh, um, you know try to put in a good word for a position. They're 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 expecting that Jesus one day will become a physical king, establish an earthly kingdom, and then all the eleven or twelve disciples would then you know, have high ranking positions within that kingdom. And that's, that's a worldly thinking. Right? That's how the world operates. The world operates to follow someone of, of beauty and authority and power and all, all the right reasons, but ultimately in it is attached you know, something that benefits you know, ourselves. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, and so they have a hard time. And so Jesus resurrects. Oh man, I thought you were gone. I thought this thing was over. You're back. Hey, is it now we're going is, is to... And then Jesus says, you know, it's not you know, uh, for you to know the periods of time or appointed times which the Father has set by uh, His own authority. And instead He redirects them to a greater focus or His focus which is, you're going to receive power in the Holy Spirit. For the things that I've called you to do. For the things that God has purposed for you. Not for the things that we have planned for ourselves. But if we're willing to submit and relinquish our own agenda. And come before God open-heartedly. And every morning, say, God, what is your plan? God, what is your purpose for me? God, what do I need your empowering and spirit for today? And so... You know, in, in many ways, the kingdom of Israel and the glory days of King David and their, and their nation, remember, they're, they're oppressed, they're, uh, um, you know, they're under, uh, what is it, uh, 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 occupation by the Roman government. You know, they're longing for the day of their own identity. Uh, and God is giving them and bringing them, uh, 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 you know, a further or a greater identity to come one day. Um, and so it was a real struggle for the disciples, Right? And so then ask yourself this question this morning. Right, Have I truly followed the Lord? Have I truly, I mean, I call Him Savior, but have I truly called Him Lord? And am I truly submitted to His will, His purpose, or His agenda? Right. I think all of us, myself included, at times, have to come to the realization that actually there are some personal reasons for myself, that I'm following Jesus. Right? I, I mean, I'm glad God is real. I'm glad God, you know, paid the ultimate price on the cross. And, you know, I, I certainly don't want to be separated from Him. And, and I want to be in eternal, you know, heaven. And, but oftentimes, our commitment or submission has strings attached to it. Right? And if it took the disciples this long to figure out now now listen, God has a plan. God wants what they want. God, God wants very much to establish the, the you know, people of God or, or Israel. And God will one day. It's a promise in the Old Testament. It's just a matter of, of timing. And so, in one sense, you know, you believe because God loves you, He wants to bless you. But then as far as timing is concerned, you have to relinquish. You have to submit that to God. And so, you know, this, is, this was a very real struggle uh, for Israel. So what would that struggle be for you if you were to ask yourself? You know, God, I'll, I'll follow you and I'll trust in you and I'll, and I'll do all. You know, but where is where's that threshold? Where is that line? Where is that place where if God asks too much, you know, you, you would uh, you know, back away maybe from you know, the commitment a bit. And oftentimes it's our, it's our children, right? Lord, uh, uh, as long as my children are blessed, as long as my children are healthy, you know. If, if anything bad happens, then I don't know if I could trust you. Oftentimes, it's our own health. Oftentimes, it's our, our it's our finances and our and our and our prosperity. A lot of these things are tied into, or, or you know, getting married, uh, uh, finding the, the the perfect one, right? A lot of these things are tied, and uh, uh, they often dictate how we feel about our our you know commitment or closeness with God. And so, you know, this morning I just want to charge you and challenge you later as we have some time of meditation. Just Really ask the Lord to pinpoint what that is and then submit that before God and say, Lord, I trust. I know you love me. I know you have the best intentions for me. And Lord, I trust in your timing. I mean, how much of our timing got thrown off this last year in 2020 and probably a lot you know, going into this year. How many plans, how many events, how many things, how many things had to continually be changed And uh, we really need to submit and surrender those things uh, to the Lord. Instead, instead of knowing exactly what's going to happen, instead of knowing exactly what the plan is, what the Lord says instead is, you just focus on my presence. Man, if you're filled with my heart, if you're filled with my spirit, I'm telling you guys. You want to know what's gonna happen next week. You want to know what happens next year. You want to know when these things are gonna happen. When I'm I'm gonna get married. When I'm gonna have kids. When you know my job, my breakthrough. Trust me. If you just focus on my presence, if you have my presence, the Holy Spirit living in you. You're going to be okay. You're, you're, you know, I'm going to guide you step by step. If you obey me step by step, day by day, hour by hour, you will arrive in your final destination the way that I intended and purpose for you. And that's what the Lord is saying. Stay close to me. Stay intimate with me. And I'll give you more than you can ever uh, uh, imagine. Um, you know, receiving power when the Holy Spirit comes. Uh, there's a mission, there's a task that God has ordained for them. Um, you know, it's something only God could do. You know, no man, no woman could take credit. No man, no woman could say, you know, I devised this or, you know, it was by my gift sets or skills. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so then in your own life, for the things that you are contending for, for the things that you are seeking God for, what is something only God can do? Right? And so that's a challenge that we set out at the end of every year as we get into the new year, you know as we pray and contend, what are the things that only God could do in your life? You know a, a lot of times we pray uh, and and I don't say the bar is too low or or, or you know we expect too little. Um, you know oftentimes it's material or things you know surrounding our comfort right and and, and they're not easy, certainly not easy to attain, uh, but they do come in the form often as just favor. I want the favor of God, the provision of God, breakthrough. But what are certain things that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if God were to answer this, that you could not attest it to yourself? You could not uh, uh, give credit to circumstances? That you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is something only God could do, only God could do it in the power of His Spirit? And I hope that in your five prayer points, there's at least you know one or two of those prayer requests. Something... That only God could do that. If God did it, man, I would have to stand up here. You'd have to come to me and say, Pastor Sam, I'm sorry. You know, I love your sermons and everything, and you know, but can I get a few minutes? I got to tell the church what God did. I hope you have one or two of those types uh, of prayer requests or things that you're contending for, whether for yourself or for your church or for a loved one or a family or friend. That you would have one or two things that, I mean, this is something only God could do. And if God answered it. I have to tell people that God did it. I can't take credit for myself. I have to get up here. I have to tell someone. I have to convey to my house church, to my leaders. I have to let people know. And, uh, you know, for these things, we need uh, uh, the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Turn to verse 14. It says that uh, all these were continually devoting themselves with one mind to prayer, along with the women and Mary and the Mother of Jesus, and uh, with his brother. Uh, it says they were in the upstairs room. In other translations, it says the upper room, and it's 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 in this context when they're meeting together with one mind, praying together, devoting themselves to one another, uh, that, that the Holy Spirit will then be poured out. And, and I want to say, and just kind of a glimpse, kind of just a, a, an awareness, guys, we are in a form of an upper room. I mean, it's not, it's not in the evening, which many, maybe many of us would prefer. Uh, it's not in someone's house. But we're coming together. And we're trying to get in one mind. And we're trying to focus on one thing. And we're trying to seek the presence of God. We are in, whenever we get together like this, you know, in the mornings for 21 days, Man, it's an opportunity for the, for the presence of God and the power of God and the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't always happen on the first day. It's not so climactic and the- theatrical. It doesn't always happen in the 40th day. You know, I've been doing this for 15 years. But somewhere along the 21 days, on any given day, and, and I know you've been there. I know you've been there with me, many of you. On any given day, within the 21 days, there's, there's a couple, two or three days. I mean, every day is filled. Every day God's presence. Every day God is moving in us. Every day God is forming in us. But there's... There's two or three days within the 21 days where you just know the presence of God is so heavy. And I know you felt it's it's weighty. And the worship response and and our hearts are pierced to the heart. And so you never know to what extent and and when God is going to really pour out His presence and His Spirit. And so in this way, as we're coming together, not, not just for yourself and not just for the morning crew, but for our whole church you know What we're doing here is we're, we're kind of in this upper room. We're kind of in this place where we're seeking God. We're kind of in this place where collectively, God, you need to unify our hearts. You know, We need to be on one page. God, we want to be in this place where you're ready to pour out your spirit. And then when God pours out, I mean, look what God did when he poured out his spirit on a, on a group of people, on the, on the disciples and, and, and the women. And then the whole world was transformed. Man, what would God do with 12 people? What could God do with us? if we're fully devoted and contending to seek his presence, and then God would have pour out his spirit, and then you were to each go into your workplaces, into your homes, and then into your house churches as we're starting up next week, you know, starting our, uh, uh, kicking off our house church season with the online conference. Man, this is what we're doing. We're not just contending for ourselves. We're contending for our church. We're contending for our community. We're contending for our nation. God is looking around the world right now. And He's looking for people that are coming together in one heart seeking after Him. And we're certainly uh, in this context. And I absolutely believe, I absolutely believe for you guys, that between now and the, and the next 20 days or so, that, that there's a word that God has for you. There's a specific word that God has fine-tuned That he wants to deposit on you. It's almost like you got everything ready. All the components and everything. But there's that one last piece. That one last driving piece. And he's going to give you that word. And when you get that, you're going to know it's from him. And it's really going to drive you. And uh, uh, really going to guide you and lead you during this year. Um, So many times I've prayed. And I I found that the success, if if that's the right word to use. Or or I've come into alignment would be a a better, better way to say it. Is oftentimes not when I have a specific request. I mean I know what I want. I know what I like. You know? I'm very specific. But 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 when I'm willing to lay that down and say, God, you know you already know what I need, you already know what I want, right? And I don't even have to say it. And I get my heart to this place where I say, God, I know that you have something for me. I know what I want. And I know you know what I want. But then it's almost like my faith elevates to this place of, but God, I know that you want something for me. And I know that what you want for me is far greater than what I want for myself. And so when I've gotten into these places of desperation of God, I just want to know, God, what you have to say. I remember uh, my wife and I, we were uh, uh, missionaries living in Beijing. Uh, I had done three years of ministry in Northeast China. Um, uh, Solomon's Porch in Hong Kong already had two candidates for the children's ministry. Position, And I remember earlier that year, this must have been 2006, uh, earlier that year in January, before we had gone uh, later that year in November to give birth to our first child, you know, I, I had told Annie that I just felt like the Lord wants me to go back into preaching. I hadn't preached a sermon in like, you know, four or five years. I feel like the Lord's going to call me back into this place. And I also felt like, and, and, and then later that year, in, in, in I think it was uh, April or May, I said I felt like the Lord put on my heart that I'm going to be working with children or children's ministry again. And that was before we went to Hong Kong in November later that year. And then we found out that there were two candidates for the children's ministry position. And so in, in, in physically speaking, I, I didn't feel like, okay, this timing wise, you know, we're, we're going to have our son. We're going to go back. Um, but we started praying. We started fasting. And, and, the, and, and I remember I was, eating, uh, I was eating just carrots, right? And, I, you know, just everyday carrots. And uh, someone had invited me to, uh, I think it was the the Intercontinental Shangri-La Buffet. Oh, man, I was so upset. And I remember pulling out my carrots at the buffet. And uh, it was with John K. And I should have just told him, hey, can we have this lunch later? Anyways, I was praying and Annie was praying. And the prayer was this. This is what I told Annie. I said, I'm not necessarily praying to be the CM pastor. I just know that God has something for me. I know he has a word for me. I, I don't know what it is. It might be go back to Beijing. It might be, you know, stay in Hong Kong. But regardless of what, it, what I want it to be, I know there's a word and I know it's good. I remember praying that prayer. I know God has a word for me. And I know it's good. And that's what I was fasting for. And so I was contending and praying. And sure enough, after uh, you know, a, few day, uh, a week or so, Andy and I were fasting, praying, came together. And we felt like the Lord gave us the green light. And then a whole bunch of other... Uh, Poops and things had to go through, and, and it was clear that God was in it. I mean obviously, otherwise, I wouldn't be here now, <laughs> a Solomon sports pastor in Singapore. Um, and so just this idea that, that, God, I know that what you want from me is best. so God, I totally believe that you have a word for me. And I believe that God has a word for you. I believe that there is an instruction, a guidance, a clarity, uh, 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 you know, a breakthrough, something that He wants to communicate. And when you know that it's from him man it's gonna it's it's gonna be that source you're gonna know that god ordained it that god deposited it and it's gonna drive you and it's gonna sustain you um and, and we don't obviously live off of just one word we continually seek god in his word daily in intimacy and closeness but when we get these sort of uh, uh, uh impartations or downloads uh it certainly is a blessing um and so we're doing that on a corporate level. We're doing that on a community level. We're doing that on an individual level. Um, last thing here, and then, and then we'll uh, uh, stop in uh, the very last verses, verse 26. And they drew lots for them, and the lot fell to Matthias, and he was added to the 11th apostle. I, I don't have enough time to get into all this, okay? You can ask me questions later if you want, if you need to. If you, like, if you hear this and you're like, no, I don't agree with that, then you can come speak with me later because I can't unpack all of it. Okay, but don't draw lots for decisions, Okay, don't don't roll dice, okay. Don't get that magic eight ball, okay. Right, don't get short long sticks and short sticks and okay, whichever one and you know, okay, uh, uh, you know. I think the disciples were terrified. They were terrified that Jesus had chosen the twelve, and that one of them had completely rejected and uh, uh, basically uh, backstabbed and betrayed Jesus. So in their minds, they're like, oh my gosh, who are we if? If this happened when the Lord himself, like who are we to choose? And so, so their, 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 their attitude is right in, in humility. We have no authority, no power. There's no way for us to know. And so they draw... You know, this, I think there's one other scriptural account in the Old Testament where they, where they, where they draw lots. And then nowhere else do you ever hear of it again. Okay? Um, you know, I think the 12th disciple uh, that God had or, or ordained or apostle is, 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 is uh, Apostle Paul. Okay? God ordained. And if, had, had they waited and not done this... I mean, you don't really hear much from Matthias ever again other than from this incident. Okay, so I, I, you know, it kind of leads me to believe that they didn't do it right. It's not who God had appointed. Eventually, Apostle Paul will come. He has to fight for his apostleship. Um, and so don't draw lots. Don't leave things up to chance. Okay? We as believers, New Testament, filled with the Holy Spirit, we have the capacity to hear from God. If you have trouble hearing from God then go to other mature leaders, health church leaders, ministry leaders, your pastor, myself, Annie. We'll pray for you and we'll give you some tools, some basic tools. If you haven't taken GIC and EG, we'll give you some very simple basic tools so that you know with a degree of confidence that this is in fact the direction that the Lord is leading you in. Okay, so we don't do things by chance. We don't do things by pros and cons. Uh, um, You know, we hear from God. That is a gift. A gift that God gave you your gift package, the moment you were born, was that you have a relationship with Him and you can hear from Him. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's bow our heads. So just come before the Lord this morning and uh, just meditate. And uh, if, if for the disciples, their hang-up, their, their picture of Jesus was so tied in with the kingdom and one day re-establishing their kingdom and then one day having positions of influence within that kingdom, then, then ask the Holy Spirit to highlight for you what is your hang-up? You know, what, is, what is that thing that is attached to your devotion to the Lord? What is that thing if, if the Lord were not to supply, if the Lord were not to answer, you would really struggle in your devotion to Him. I just uh, invite you to allow the Holy Spirit to highlight that. And then, if you can pinpoint it, then to offer a humble and simple prayer, Lord, I submit that to you. Lord, I lay it at the foot of the cross. and ask the Lord God in this fast I'm contending for more of you I'm contending for more of your Holy Spirit because I know that if I have your Spirit that I have everything that I need that you will guide me day by day I know God that you have a word for me and I know that word from you is far greater and life giving than any material thing that I could pray for. Jesus, we just declare this morning that your Holy Spirit individually. Jesus, that our church needs your Holy Spirit corporately. And God, we dedicate this fast to you, to you and to you alone. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.